Peterson says this of Romans 12. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to the culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I believe that's one of the things that we seek to do as a fellowship here, to see our lives transforming, growing in the likeness of Jesus. We looked at the beginning of the service at some of the characteristics of Jesus. Just, just stick your hand up. Who would like to be more like Jesus? <laughs> kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? Who would like to be more like Jesus? Of course we would. Of course we would. And sometimes we think, well, that's just unattainable. But it's not God helping us. We can grow in Jesus' likeness. We need to remember what Jesus has done for us, how he's covered us in a robe of righteousness as we come in 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 penitence before him, in, in saying sorry and wanting to turn back to following him. So he clothes us in that cloak of righteousness. I want you to imagine for a minute that you've got a really, really old car that's on its last legs. Been there at various points. We'll be there again, no doubt. Imagine, though, that you're in that place right now. You've got a really old car creaking at the seams. Goodness knows how many thousands of miles on the clock. And somebody comes along and says, I want to give you a new car. Here, all yours. What would you do with that new car? What would you do with that new car? Take it. Take it. Then what? Then what? Drive it. Absolutely. You wouldn't just kind of go, thanks very much, then maybe have a little wander around it. Well, you might do. You might kind of have a bit of a wander around and, oh, look at that. Just kind of give it a bit of a, a feel and, and have a look and stand back and say, whoa. But that's not all you do, is it? You wouldn't just look at it and then kind of throw a sheet over it and just leave it there. You'd be going, boop, boop. 
beep, beep, beep. Because they all do that now, don't they? So you go, beep. Well, no, but then the new ones, you see, this is it. Then when you get a new car, they all seem to do that. Or, or even clever, you don't even need a key for someone. It's brilliant. But you'd, you'd have a fiddle. But before long, you'd be in there, sitting in the driver's seat. If you were me, before you turn the engine on, you'd be poking at some of the buttons, seeing how the CD player works, plugging the MP3 in. Whoa, fantastic speakers. All of that kind of stuff. But eventually... You turn the engine and you drive it. And it would just feel so much nicer to drive than the old jalopy that had been left behind. It's an imperfect image. But actually, we are offered newness of life in Jesus. And so often we seem to just wander around the outsides and kind of give the tyres a little bit of a kick and, yeah, so yeah I, like the, I like the look of that, but I'll just cover it over and leave it because actually, me old banger, it's kind of comfy. like it. Quite like it when I almost break my arm changing gear, but I like it. And it's done me well, so I'll keep going with it. Nice car, but I'll keep going with my old... We don't do that. So why do we do that when we're offered new life in Jesus? Paul's saying, don't stand on the sidelines. He's saying, don't just kick the tires and admire what's been offered to you. You've been given all of this. You've been given relationship with God. What are you going to do about it? And then he urges us, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Ah, that's why I prefer my old car, actually, because I've been told I need to offer my body as a living sacrifice. What's he saying there? What's he saying when he's saying, offer your bodies as living sacrifices? When we think of the word sacrifice in terms of the Bible, we generally think it gets a bit messy. We think of Old Testament sacrifice which involved blood and slaughter and and the offering of of animals and, and it all feels a little bit, ooh, hello, don't think that's terribly Western and British, is it? We feel a little bit uncomfortable with that. But actually... There's something that, that feels removed about that kind of sacrifice. Maybe even for, for the folk of the Old Testament where they could bring an offering and then just leave it and walk away. And what Paul's saying is, no, 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 no. You don't just kind of bring it and leave it and walk away. You're involved. Your life is involved. It's our day-to-day living that is a sacrifice to God because of what he has done for us. He goes on to say in verse 12, offer yourself as, verse 12, in chapter 12, in verse 1, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. 
it all sounds a bit kind of whoo what's that i don't really what is my spiritual act of worship i actually came across a really interesting translation this week in the king james translation of the bible for spiritual act of worship the king james version says this is your reasonable service to god and i read that and i thought hey this is your reasonable service to god then i had a look in the greek and it says your logiken latrian and i said hey as we would all do mostly but then i began to see that word logiken logic mind something that that is reasoned something that involves me and my very being being offered to god not just a kind of a i'll leave that over there and i'll get on with the rest of my life thank you very much but actually my reasoned my thought through my my whole body response to god and the incredible mercy that he has shown us maybe this will help just as as an example take the offering something that we do in church week after week month after month i've heard it referred to before as the collection but that's not right you see we could approach the offering in two ways we could approach it as the thing that we do when we come to church oh gosh the bag's coming <laughs> found something pop in a couple of pounds doesn't matter how much it is but what's going on there it's, oh gosh what what oh yeah gotta do that so i better just put something in done that excellent feel good sunday part of my day give a couple of quid or a tenner or 50 or 100 or whatever it is doesn't matter how much it is but there's an attitude that we can have to our offering and we can actually even have it if we've got our, our direct debit set up which is ever so helpful actually to the treasurer because he can keep a regular idea of what's going on with the finances of the church so if you're not doing direct debit and you'd like to quick plug please do see paul afterwards but even with direct debit it can be sorted done that don't have to think about it anymore becomes a mechanical thing or our offering each week can be a genuine practical engagement with what god has done for us a genuine heartfelt response saying god i am so grateful that you've clothed me in a robe of righteousness that you have given me all that you have given me lord would you receive my offering to you this week that's a whole different thing isn't it because it comes from in here it comes from the heart and says yes i want to worship god in that way 
Now that could be said about all sorts of different things in the life of a church. And it could very easily be misunderstood. Actually, worship, our spiritual act of worship, is just about what happens on a Sunday morning. But that's not what Paul's saying. See, if we offer our lives as living sacrifices, this is all our life. It's our whole life that is a living sacrifice to God. And that's about being transformed. Allowing our sinful selves to be renewed. Paul goes on and tries to give a little bit of practical flesh to this. Verse 2. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your spiritual act of worship is tied in with your life being transformed. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. So let's just think about the pattern of this world for a minute. There's so much in this world that is so good. Tell me some of the things that are so good about this world, just for a moment. Because there's so much. What's good about this world? Everything. Everything. Not not sure. Yeah, it's kind of an on-the-spot answer. But Sunshine. Sunshine. Creation, colours, friends, fantastic, yes, scenery, food, we're getting going now you see, there is so much about our world that is wonderful, but there's so much that is so bad too, you see we live in a society where our self and stuff seem to be king. Pleasing ourselves, making sure number one is looked after, seems to be king, top of the pile. Or making sure we've got all the latest stuff, the latest gadgets, the latest things to kind of make ourselves comfortable. Our culture tells us that truth is whatever you want it to be. Your truth is your truth, but my truth is different. So don't impose my truth on, uh, your truth on me, please, because that would offend me, and it might offend other people. Absolutes are frowned upon. The notion of right and wrong is being blurred. Even in the church... Our churches can become characterised by religiosity, tradition, by our own hard-heartedness. Somebody mentioned judgmentalism. These things apply even within our church families. There is so much that is part of our culture that Paul is saying, do not be conformed to that. But be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind, by looking at Jesus. Because we all said at the beginning, yeah, we'd like to be more like Jesus. And Paul tries to help us to see how that can happen. I can make it sound very simple by saying, it's by allowing God to shape us. But I know that's kind of hard in practice, isn't it? To allow God to shape us. But Paul talks about the renewing of your mind. And surely, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the fundamental importance of of the Bible, that's got to be part of the renewing of our mind. That's not to say that it's all about being super intelligent. But it's about allowing God's word to penetrate into that which is at the heart of how we make our decisions, how we make our judgments. So important to allow scripture, the truth of the Bible, to penetrate into our minds. Maybe using the little word for the day things that I gave out a couple of weeks ago. Maybe using your own Bible notes. Maybe by listening online to sermons. Maybe by by just allowing a very small portion of scripture each day to enter into your mind and to chew it over. Glynis this week gave me something which I'll, I'll get printed out for us. Oh, here it is. That some of you who've been around the church for a little while may have seen before. It's a little handy chart of promises that Jesus makes. When you say it's impossible, God says all things are possible. When you say I'm too tired, God says I will give you rest. There are all sorts of little things that we can use. I've seen this pinned up in a few loos as I've been around. And that's great, because what better time when you're taking time out just to give yourself a time to think and allowing the renewing of your mind through Scripture. How else can we allow the renewing of our mind? Well, through fellowship with one another. You see, we cannot be Christians in isolation. There's a great age-old image of a coal falling out of a fire. And when a coal falls out of a fire, it starts off all right, doesn't it? You wouldn't be able to pick it up because it's dead hot. But very quickly it goes cold because it's not helped by the rest of the fire. I don't know the physics or the chemistry or whatever, but it goes cold when it's separated. And so we go cold when we are separated from our brothers and sisters in Jesus. So scripture is important, but being with other believers is important. But when we are with other believers, we still need to be not conformed to the society and the culture that that calls us to complain, that calls us to say, me, 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 that criticises at the first thought. But I wonder as well, what do we expose ourselves to, as well as scripture, as well as fellowship? What else do we expose ourselves to? 
We live in a world that is so rich with with ways of kind of learning about the world. The media is fantastic. I love the fact that you can get all sorts of information online. You can watch stuff, you can find stuff, you can listen to stuff. Newspapers and books and magazines and TV and radio, all those things are wonderful. But what are we exposing ourselves to? How is God influencing what we are exposing ourselves to? Are we being wise about what we watch, what we listen to, what conversation we engage in? Or are we allowing God to so infiltrate our very being that even when we encounter stuff that isn't good and godly and helpful, we can filter that and make decisions, maybe to walk away, or maybe to challenge, or maybe to pray, because we see those things through God's eyes. Please, if there are things that you are looking at, TV programs that you are watching, stuff on the internet that you're looking at that is damaging to you, walk away from it. Ask somebody else to help you. Because actually our minds can so easily be turned away from Jesus and filled with stuff. And I'm not just talking about pornography, although that is a huge, huge thing. And don't let's think that it's not a huge thing within our churches. But I'm thinking about all sorts of influences that we just kind of let wash over us and shape us. Just some examples of what what the TV might tell us and how we might just respond to that. You've heard me say it before, but the whole kind of L'Oreal, you're worth it kind of thing, which is a very catchy kind of headline. But it says all about me, me, me. But Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, if I can find it, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. That kind of counters our me, me, me culture, doesn't it? We hear so often that we've got a right to blame other people. We've got a right to compensation when things go wrong and people do stuff against us. But Jesus said, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evil person. Someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn, to the, turn him to the other one also. That kind of challenges that me, 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 grab, grab, grab. I'm going to get my own back. So many things. And it's not just about quoting scriptures kind of blindly, but allowing that to penetrate into us. Allowing God to dwell within us and transform us from the inside out. 
And of course, we can't do this on our own. We can't do this just by sheer willpower, although sometimes we do need to be disciplined. But we need the help of God by the power of his Holy Spirit to dwell within us. Jesus said before he ascended to heaven that I am leaving you, the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, to be your helper. And we need to ask his help. We need to ask that we would be filled daily with his Holy Spirit. That we might be transformed. That we might grow in maturity. That we might see ever more through his eyes and live and behave ever more with the characteristics that Jesus has. just leave you with that lovely bit at the end of Galatians the fruit of the spirit which is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit. We need to be intentional as followers of Jesus about maturing, growing in maturity, encouraging one another to grow in maturity, that we might be more and more Christ-like.